In this well-known passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul makes this statement in verse 10, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. God says that the way God reveals or discloses himself is through the Spirit. So it's a spiritual connection that must occur for the disclosure, the revelation of God, to be made known. We know people in our lives at varying levels. We know some people only uh, uh, barely, other people somewhat casually, other people fairly well, other people very well, but all people limitedly. The best person in your life who you think you know well will surprise you. They will shock you. In fact, not only the best person in your life will shock you, you will shock you. How many times have you said to yourself, that's not me? That's not me. You shock you. The knowledge of another person or ourselves runs at varying levels. Therefore, if the most, if the, if the closest person in your life you don't know, you kind of know, you know them better than others, but don't, you don't know that you know that you know them. And if you can't even figure out you, Because there are some things we know about ourselves we don't want nobody to know that we know about ourselves. Because we don't even like that we know it about ourselves. And we are finite and limited. Then it ought not surprise you about our inability to be able to figure out God. We can't even figure out people, ourselves. So it ought not shock you that the figure-out ability of God on the human level is impossible. To come to know God means he must reveal, expose himself to you. Because... The Bible declares that God's wisdom and knowledge are unsearchable. You can't Google it. It is the search engine can't find it. It is it is beyond our capacity, or as the theologians refer to God, He is holy other. That is outside of the realm of the finite. Because he is infinite. So, revelation is where God discloses, unveils, pulls back the curtain, and lets you see him. And he says he does that through the Spirit. 
So to come to know God, you must come to know him on a spirit level. And if he is not getting down to the spirit level, you are not coming to know him as he wishes to reveal himself. We are made up of three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Body, the physical world, you, the five senses. Soul is the self-life. You are who you are because you have a soul. Your own personhood, your own personality. That's your soul. The spirit, the deepest part of you, is, is the God contact part. That's where you can contact uh, this other realm in the spirit part of your being. That is the part that God wants to interface with. That is the part where he wants to expose himself. How do you know when God is exposing himself to you on this deepest level called the level of the spirit? Well, verse 9 he says, But things which eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, which he is not which is not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him, for to us God revealed them. So verse nine is not talking about heaven in the sweet by and by, it's talking about earth in the nasty here and now. When God is interfacing with you and me on the spirit level, it will involve things that I have not seen. It will involve things that ear hath not heard. And it will involve things that your personality would not have come up with. Never have entered into the heart of man. You see, what we have done that has blocked the knowledge of God is limited our knowledge of God to either the body or the soul. Eyes, seeing, ears, hearing, those are the senses. So my five senses that can interface with the world, we expect to interface with God like that. And he says the interface with God involves things the eye have not seen and the ear have not heard. It goes deeper than what your physical capacity is to figure God out. You can look at nature and conclude, whoever God is, he is big. Because anybody who could create all this got a little something, something going on. So you can figure that much out without coming to know him. So you can, you can look at a painting and say, whoever painted that is brilliant and still not know the author of the painting. You can hear a song done by a great musician and say, whoever composed that is awesome, but still never know the author. So with the eyes and the ears and the taste and all of our senses, you can figure out, well, God must be big and he must be mighty and still not know him. It involves more than the five senses, the experiential knowledge of God. It involves more than your personhood or your soul. Neither has entered into the heart of man. That is, it's, it's not your ability to conceive. You have people running around saying, well, I think God is this, and I think God is that, and I feel this, and I feel that. Well, well... The problem with your soul is that your soul, my soul, our souls, are distorted. They are distorted. 
We need help to clarify the picture. Like when you go to see a 3D movie, you put on the glasses to see clearly. Without the glasses, it's fuzzy. Whenever you try to figure God out with your soul, your own individual personality, even beneath your five senses, he's still going to be fuzzy. He's going to be fuzzy because like a distorted mirror that, that tweaks and twiggles and at the carnivals that make you look tall or short or fat or thin, there is a distortion that has occurred in our lives which limits our ability to perceive God correctly. So God then must reveal himself to us by his spirit. Why? Because the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. God does have a search engine. The spirit, he searches. And he searches the deep things of God. There is another world that... A few of us know of, except when we see clips of it on TV, and that is the, the world of the ocean and the seas. That, that's a world unto itself. When you see some of the things these uh, uh, channels come up with, with Discovery and, and uh, uh, the various channels that show you what's happening with, with these creatures, so, some of those creatures you never knew existed. And, and the further you go down into the ocean or the sea, the darker things get. Trying to penetrate the bottom of the ocean, the normal individual can't do that. You've got to have special equipment with special people who can get that deep. Because that's a whole other world. That's not a world we're used to. We skim the surface of the world when we go swimming. We skim the surface of the world when we go on a cruise. We skim the surface of the world when we get in a boat or jet skis. We're on the surface. We don't, we don't, we don't even see on the surface the creatures that are there. You've got to go fishing to do that. And then beneath that is a whole other world and another world. And they've got things that are, that are down there so low, they don't even come up. It's a whole other world. To learn that world takes something different than your normal way of operating. You've got to have special equipment to even get there. To come into the experiential knowledge of God takes special equipment. It's not normal and ordinary. It says, and that is the job of the Spirit. The job of the Spirit is to take you deep God diving. Just like you need a submarine to go deep sea diving. And, 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 and that baby better be pressurized because the deeper you go, the more you're going to be crushed. Because the deeper you go, the pressure is so great, it will collapse you. The experiential knowledge of God requires something that can take us there. And he says, that comes through the Spirit. The Spirit is God's instrument, and only the Spirit of God is God's instrument to take you deep God diving. Beneath the natural order of your physical frame of reference. Beneath the distortion and confusion of your soul. He relates this to our own human existence. 
For who among men knows the thoughts, verse 11, of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. No one knows you better than you, and even you don't know you that well. Okay? No one knows you better than you know me. And, and we will tell people that. We'll tell them in a minute, you don't know me. You don't know me. And you find out somebody said something about you, he don't know me. You, you said to me, he doesn't really know me. So, since nobody knows a person better than their own spirit, and nobody knows God better than his spirit. So if you want to know about God, there must be this spiritual connection that makes that possible. It is the job of the Holy Spirit. It is called, in 1 John 2, the anointing. Everybody wants to know what the anointing is. The anointing is your capacity, capacity to receive spiritual, to make spiritual contact and to receive spiritual information that will take you deep God diving. That's the anointing. And John says, and you all have it. Every Christian, every person who's really born again, has the anointing. Now, I hear what you're saying. Well, my anointing's not working. I have, as many of you have, direct TV. I have direct TV. Let's call the fact that I possess direct TV the anointing. I have the anointing. Because I have a dish on my roof that enables me to connect with a satellite in outer space so I can get a picture in my den. I have the anointing. That is, I have the capacity to receive the picture from a place I can't see, out of space, from a reality I can't touch, a satellite, but I can see it where I live because I own the anointing. Uh, I, own, I own the satellite system. But in order for the satellite system that I have that makes contact from a dish on my roof to a world I can't see, situated but next to my TV is a receiver. The job of the receiver is to receive the signal from outer space translated through my dish and reveal it to my TV. My TV gets the revelation from what has been uh, positioned on my roof in order to receive from an invisible realm. If I try to see a picture without my receiver on, it's not that I don't have the anointing. I have direct TV. It's that I have not engaged my receiver to pick up the anointing that I possess. If you are saved, you got a dish. That's the anointing. 
But if your receiver, your spirit, is not working or is not on, even though God is sending the information, you're not getting a clear picture. And if you're not getting a clear picture, you're sitting down watching a blank screen. Because you can't get network channels anymore. You would consider a person a fool sitting up there turning on channel 11, channel 8, channel 5, and channel 4. You're not going to get an analog picture. You and I have been introduced to a new TV life. You have received the anointing. You have a dish. God has placed in every believer a receiver to receive what the signal is from the Spirit of God to him or her. But it must be received on the spirit level. The reason why many of us are not getting to know God is we're satisfied to relate to him on either the physical level or the soul level only. And not the spirit level. Stick with me here. Now we have received, verse 12, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. He says, let's clarify what kind of receiver you have. If you put a regular direct TV receiver on an LG screen that's been created for high definition, you're going to get some level of distortion because the receiver doesn't match the screen. Now, if you put a regular receiver to a regular television that's not high definition, okay, you'll get a different picture. But you got a HD TV, then they will tell you you should get a HD receiver. Because if you don't have an HD receiver... You're going to mess up what the screen could be showing you. What it could be showing you. It, it, it could show you so much more. And it would be so much clearer if you didn't go cheap with a non-HD receiver. He says, we have not received the spirit of this world. In other words, God doesn't want you going to the world to help the, to get the world to help you to see him clearly. That's a cheap receiver. That's going to mess up the picture. You're not going to get a clear rendering. He does not want you to go outside of the spiritual realm, the world, in order to see him. Because the world doesn't have the equipment to get that deep. So we've not received that spirit. That's not the spiritual connection we are looking for. We have received another kind of spirit. And he says, 
that this spirit that we've received is from God, oh, I love this, that we may know the things freely given to us by God. And the word I want to say a word about is the word free. Not a lot is free in this world anymore. But the knowledge of God is. The knowledge of God, he says, is freely given. No charge. God would be happy, delighted, at no cost for you to experience him. You say, how do I know I'm experiencing him? You're changing. You're changing. You want to know, how come I don't want to do that anymore? How come I won't talk like that anymore? How come I'm not, my, my desire to act like that is waning? How come I'm having power to do things I didn't have power to do before? Because you're seeing him clearly. And this is where, unfortunately, even the church is messed up. Because sometimes even the church will go to the world to help it be the church. We'll go to a non-Christian point of view to help people be better Christians. He says, this is given freely. I would be delighted to do this, but only on the spirit level. Now he makes a contrast. But the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, verse 14, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. He contrasts the man who is engaged with the Spirit to the natural man. Now, I know there was a time, old school, everybody wanted to be a natural man. Okay? Well, that may be good for your homies, but it's not good for your God. Because the natural man doesn't have a receiver. A natural man cannot receive the things that are from the Spirit of God. They don't have the anointing. They don't have direct TV. So they're still fiddling with the knobs. And all they can get is what the physical will reveal by looking at nature and by what, they, what their soul comes up with, which will always be distorted. And so you hear that all the time when people tell you what they think God is like, what they think God would do, and I don't think God would want me to do that, and I don't think everybody has a thought. That's because they, their soul is as far as they can go, because they don't have a receiver. That's the natural man. So if you are a natural Christian, you are a Christian who doesn't know God. Chapter 3, verse 1 has a name for you. It's called carnal. The carnal Christian. And he says... They, you know a carnal Christian because he looks like everybody else. He says you walk as mere men. There's nothing supernatural about you. There's nothing about you that eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. Nothing about you like that. You're, you're regular. You're not super unleaded. You're like everybody else. The natural man is operating on a whole different frequency. We're on FM, they're on AM. It's a whole different frequency. They're not able to come up with this spiritual truth. So they're left to their own information. They're left to their own 
psychoanalyzing their own their own uh, solutions, what they can come up with, their own determination, their own resolutions, their own uh, 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 power of positive thinking. They are left to themselves because they they're operating on the world spirit. That's the spirit that they have. They are spiritually appraised or discerned or evaluated or understood. So the man without the receiver can't get a picture. He can't. She can't. But the Christian who has direct TV, who has a satellite, may be like the natural man because they too don't get a picture. Not because they don't have the system, they have the anointing. But they have become, chapter 3 says, fleshly. Verse 3 of chapter 3, for you are still fleshly. You're still thinking like men think. So, if you are going to know God in your spirit... Because that's where the that's the level where you come to know that you know things. On the soul, you think that you know things. At the spirit, you know that you know things. Once you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit invades your human spirit, and the two are merged. And the two are merged so that now you can. He hangs out with Sam and Dave. Verse 15. But he who is spiritual, who's operating spiritually from the Spirit, appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. How do you know if you are spiritual? It has to do with how you evaluate things. Appraisals. When you appraise something, you analyze it to determine its value. He who is spiritual, you know that this is a spiritually minded person because they have an appraisal process. And the appraisal process that they use is whether the thing that they are looking at is consistent with the Spirit's way of thinking. The spiritual person is not first concerned about what my mama said. The spiritual person is not first concerned about what my daddy said. They're certainly not concerned about first what my friends say. What their homies say. What their posse says. They're not first concerned about what popular opinion is. They're not first concerned about how many other people agree with them. That is not the first concern of this because he has another appraisal process. His appraisal process is spiritual. He wants to know what the spirit thinks about this matter. 
And unless you raise that question and raise it first and raise it about all things, you are not spiritual yet. You may be a Christian, but you may not be spiritual. You may be carnal or fleshly. Because your first question is, what do I think? What do my friends think? What did my parents say? What did the TV say? What did I hear on radio? Yeah, they've got the spirit of the world working. Therefore, they're not spiritual. Therefore, they don't experience God. But the spiritual man or woman is the person who has an appraisal going on consistently. They don't just visit the anointing occasionally. They appraise all things. See, a lot of us are selective appraisers. Stuff we know a little something spiritual about, we'll bring, we'll bring up God with those things. Other things, we shift back. We, we do what we do in our cars where it says band. If you push band, you can go back and forth from AM to FM, FM to AM, AM to FM, FM to AM, AM to FM. AM to AM. So, so when a song comes on we like, we'll stay there. We don't like that. We'll shift. We'll go band to band to band to band to band to band. We'll go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Not the spiritual man. The spiritual man has this consistency about him. That it's normal to appraise things from the spirit's way of thinking. It's abnormal not to do it. The spiritual man, and God reveals himself to the spiritual, praises all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one, verse 14 says. Because he looks at things spiritually, he evaluates them, praises them that way. So he can, she can understand things from a spiritual perspective while simultaneously not being understood by others. Let me put it this way. If everybody understands you, you're not spiritual. If, if, if people don't say or think about you, you're a little different. I'm talking about weird. I'm talking different. She doesn't approach things like the rest of us. He doesn't look at things like the rest of us. In other words... The appraisal from people who don't know God or who are carnal in their relationship with God, they can't figure you out. If everybody can figure you out, then you're not in touch with God. Because you, you're not operating on this deep sea level. You're operating on this peripheral level. Because you're just another figureoutable person, spiritually speaking. But, or 4, verse 16, who has known the mind of the Lord? That he will instruct him. In light of what he just said, that the spiritual person appraises all things, but is appraised by no one. Why is that the case? For, who has known the mind of the Lord, 
so that he can tell God what to do. What school does God have to go to to learn a little something, something? Uh, what university should God attend? Where would you recommend God would go because he needs a little bit more data on this subject? What hospital should he visit for medical training? What, what, what school of psychiatry should he visit to find out how the soul works? What, what, what mental institution does he need to go to to find out how the brain operates? Where would you advise God go to get a little information that he's somewhat uh, uh, misunderstood that he that he he blew that one that God I am not sure God has all the data here. Well, the answer is obviously a rhetorical question. God God doesn't have to go anywhere to learn anything. All of God's knowledge is immediate and absolute and comprehensive. God knows what He knows because He knows what He knows. God doesn't know what he knows because he learned what he knows. Everything you and I know, we discovered. In one form or fashion, we learned it. God does not have to act on discovery. He has pre-discovered it. And it is immediate, absolute, and comprehensive on all matters. He does not look to be instructed and he certainly doesn't want to be instructed by you or me. God, let me tell you what you should do. Uh, he doesn't need that information. He doesn't need it because even if your information is right, you got it from him. Who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? Somebody say, but we have the mind of Christ. Let me tell you something you have that you may not know you have, but you need to know you have it. You have the mind of Christ. You have, you have the brain of Jesus. When Jesus walked the earth, he was in constant communication with the Father, and the Father would transmit to Jesus his will. Let me tell you what that did for Jesus. It saved him time. Because he didn't keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again through trial and error to get something right. He was in such perfect contact with the Father, he always got it right the first time. He always got it right the first time because Jesus had the mind of the Father. I, lo, I come in volumes of books to do thy will, O God. Jesus would say, my time has not yet come. Daddy don't want me to go that way yet. In other words, he didn't waste time, waste life, waste errors, make mistakes over and over again because he was piggybacking on the mind of the Father. But guess what you have? We have the mind of Christ. What Jesus had from his father, we have from Jesus. 
That is the capacity to piggyback on his thinking. When you and I piggyback on Jesus' thinking, we save time, we save mistakes, we save repeating the same thing over and over and over again. Why? Because we have his thinking on the front end. Now, it's possible to have a, have a mind and act like you're crazy. It's not because you have a mind, it's just you done lost your mind. That's a common Christian. We have the mind of Christ. We have the capacity, the spiritual brain power, if you will, to be able to think Christ's thoughts after him like he thought the Father's thoughts after him so that we live life as life was designed to be lived. It is our refusal to evaluate things spiritually That has caused our dilemmas. And we all have dilemmas at different levels. But to keep our dilemmas, to not be transformed. Because we keep living on the physical or we keep living with the soul and we don't get down to knowing God in the spirit. You say, how do I do that? Go back up to verse 13. Which things we also speak... Not in words taught by human wisdom, what people think, but in those taught by the spirits. And how do we get that? By combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Vince Lombardi, the great football coach for the Green Bay Packers one day, the team wasn't doing too good. Team wasn't team wasn't doing good at all and and he was upset. And he said, Gentlemen, let's get back to the fundamentals. He said, This is a football. Then he held up a football. Now we know that that's a football. We we know that that's a football. This is a football. Why did he have to start there? Because everything else depended on that. See, see, without the football, nothing else happens. And nothing else matters. You can play your position perfectly. If there is no football, you just wasted your time. Because the football is the centerpiece of every... If there is no football, there is no crowd. If there is no football, there are no concessions. If there is no football, there is no team. That little piece of pigskin is carrying a lot of punch. Because it's controlling everything. It's controlling million dollar paydays. Because there's a football. This is a football. This is a Bible. But let me help you understand what this means. He calls the Bible, he says, the words which we speak, referring to the Word of God, as a spiritual book, not a book with religious language only. It is the mind of the Spirit written. Okay? Let me explain it now. The, spirit, the Bible is the mind of God written. It's a spirit book. 
But you said, but we, we all can read the spirit book, but still not be able to play the game. So what's wrong? Well, he says, you got to combine something. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. These are spiritual words. But you must combine with the spiritual words, spiritual thinking. And you can do that because you have the mind of Christ. So you got the mind that can do the thinking that can connect with the words. When the mind connects with the words and you think in terms of what the words say, you have now turned on your receiver. The receiver is now on. You say, but my mama taught me this, my daddy taught me that. That's not the mind of Christ. What does Christ's mind say? And he has written it in his word. But you say, but the Bible doesn't deal with all my issues. Sometimes the Bible is general, and I need a specific word from God. Okay, that's fine. Get the words you do know. Connect the mind to think in terms of those words. And now the receiver can give you 500 different channels. I owe you don't want that program, you want this program. See, God can go all over the place because it's still coming from one satellite, through one dish, through one receiver, but it opens up a whole world of pictures. You got comedy shows, you got dramas, you got news, you got entertainment, you got all kind of stuff. God can give you a specific picture, but you got to be tuned in to the one receiver. And when he knows you're going to take this word and adjust your mind to that word, not adjust this word to your mind, then he can let the Spirit of God take you deep sea diving or deep God experiencing. Look, 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 look. We all been to a Xerox machine and go to the Xerox machine. You got, you, you want a copy. You want a copy. And so, what you do is you put the paper on the machine or in the machine and and a light comes on, a light, a light, a light, a light takes a picture and he transfer, it transfers it to another sheet of paper so that what's on the second sheet is the same as what's on the first sheet. Even though the second sheet is not the first sheet, it has on it what the first sheet has on the second sheet because there was a transfer due to an illumination or a light that did a transfer. God just doesn't want you to have the first sheet of paper. He wants you to Xerox it onto your mind so that what's in his mind gets in your mind so that you become a copy of what the revelation says and he can illuminate you into the mind of God so that you experience the transfer of his being in your life. So the question on the floor is, do you want to know me in your spirit? Because he is available to be known right there.